Welcome to Bandcamp. I'm Jennifer. And I'm Dan. And this is the podcast where we read banned books and try to figure out why they were banned in the first place. This season, we are reading The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain. Spoilers are inevitable because that's what we do here. We're going to read the book out loud in its entirety, chapter by chapter. So if you don't want to be spoiled, got to head over to Bandcamp Season 4, Episode 1, and you can catch up. Please join us on Instagram. You can follow us at Bandcamp underscore podcast. Before Jennifer starts reading, let's introduce the third member of our team, our trusty robot. Look at this guy. Robot, give us a quick overview of where we left off last time. Previously on Bandcamp, Huck Finn's adventures took a turn into the realm of mistaken identities and surprise reunions. Mistaken for Tom Sawyer upon arriving at the Phelps Plantation, Huck decides to play along, only for the real Tom Sawyer to show up and add to the confusion. As they navigate this mix-up, they plot a free gym, embarking on a scheme filled with mischief and mayhem. What twists and turns await our heroes in this tangled tale of friendship and deception? What happens next? You're about to find out. Thank you, Robot. And with that being said, let's start chapter 34 of The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. We stopped talking and got to thinking. By and by, Tom says, Looky here, Huck. What fools we are to not think of it before. I bet I know where Jim is. Where? In that hut down by the ash hopper. Why, looky here. When we was at dinner, didn't you see a N-word man go in there with some vittles? Yes. What did you think the vittles was for? For a dog. So'd I. Well, it wasn't for a dog. Why? Because part of it was watermelon. So it was. I noticed it. Well, it does beat all that. I never thought about a dog not eating watermelon. It shows how a body can see and don't see at the same time. Ah, uh, yeah. I, I bet Tom has like a sharp eye for everything, right? Yeah. He's always scheming well, or something. Between you and I, though, we have five dogs. How many yeah. of our dogs have we seen eat watermelon? Butch likes watermelon. He loves fruit. Yeah. He ate yeah. blueberries right off the bush. It's really cute when yes. he does that. I'm so gently with his mouth. Flora, our heavyset Chowini, she definitely eats watermelon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, if I was a dog, I'd eat watermelon, absolutely. Yeah, well, maybe they didn't treat their dogs the same way we treat ours, you know, Guarantee back in the day. It. <laughs> yeah. Every time a dog is mentioned in this book, some I know. lady gives them a whack and he, they run off and it's like, oh, God, people, mm-hmm. let's get it together. Dogs are our best friend. Absolutely. Well, the N-word unlocked the padlock when he went in, and he locked it again when he came out. He fetched Uncle a key about the time we got up from the table. Same key, I bet. Watermelon shows man, lock shows prisoner, and it ain't likely there's two prisoners on such a little plantation, and where the people's all so kind and good. Jim's the prisoner. All right. I'm glad we found it out detective fashion. I wouldn't give shucks for any other way. Now you work your mind and study out a plan to steal Jim, and I will study out one, too, and we'll take the one we like the best. You know, I don't understand why, like, why don't they just confess who they are? They should just sit Aunt Sally down and say, you know that move where I just came in and tried to give you a kiss? This is what we do. We're full of all these really questionable, stupid ideas. Here's how you could make this go a lot smoother. Either you can help us free Jim, and then Huck and Jim can be on their way, 
or we're going to do something incredibly stupid. And here's Huck with a list of stupid things he's done in the past 30 chapters. He's going down the list, you know, riverboat, burglars, king and duke, dressed up like a girl, all the crap that this crazy kid has done. And you say, you got to help us. You're going to be doing a good thing and it'll all be good. You know, that would be the mature thing to do, but they're on the verge, right? They're like 14-ish. Huck's matured a lot. Huck has matured on this trip. I don't know what in the heck's going on with Tom at this point. I mean, he was trying to make a band of robbers and bandits and pirates. Tom could still be very childish. I mean, Huck never saw the emeralds, you know, where Tom saw them and, you know, all that hooey. That is very true. It's also the safe thing to do. You want to land the plane without incident. Like Huck needs to, this is serious stuff. This is Jim, his friend we're talking about. Yeah. It's very serious stuff. You don't want to play with this stuff. I don't trust Tom. I think he's a chaos agent. I'm very worried. Chaos agent. Well, he's like, let's both come up with a scheme and we'll go with the one we like best. Come on. Let's just get Jim out of there one way or the other. Anyways, let's see what happens with this. What a head for just a boy to have. If I had Tom Sawyer's head, I wouldn't trade it off to be a duke, nor a mate of a steamboat, nor clown in a circus, nor nothing I can think of. I went to thinking out a plan, but only just to be doing something. I knowed very well where the right plan was going to come from. Pretty soon, Tom says. Ready? Yes, I says. All right, bring it out. My plan is this, I says. We can easy find out if it's Jim in there. Then get up my canoe tomorrow night and fetch my raft over from the island. Then the first dark night that comes steal the key out of the old man's britches after he goes to bed and shove off down the river on the raft with Jim, hiding daytimes and running nights, the way me and Jim used to do before. Wouldn't that plan work? Oh, and that reminds me, his plan? His plans have been working fantastically like they have been without a bump until they ran into the Duke and the King. And for some reason, Huck was listening to them. I don't know why. Well, you're totally right. I mean, his plans have always been seamless, except for the King and the Duke. So, yeah. Yeah. But now his plan right now, is this Huck's plan or Tom's plan? Th- this is Huck's plan. And this it makes Huck's- sense. It's like, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to get Jim out of there. We're going to steal the key from the britches and... I'll have the canoe all set. He is setting things up in advance. He's got a lot of forethought. So practical. I love Huck's plans. They always work. Tom's plan will be more convoluted. Probably. Right? Let's see. Probably. Because, you know, I think they probably have different goals. Like Huck's plan is, I want to save my friend. Mm. That's like his plan. And Tom will probably be something like involving pirates and... A, we have to have a good time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) B, let's save Jim. Exactly. Back, circling back to A, let's have a good time. I'm very nervous about this whole thing. Yeah. It's better that Jim doesn't know. (laughs) I know. All right. So wouldn't that plan work? Work? Why, certainly it would work. Like rats are fighting. But it's too blame simple. There ain't nothing to it. What's oh the my God, the there it is. Yes, that would work. Not so fast. There is nothing to it. This is a real. 
what's the good of a plan that ain't no more trouble than that? It's as mild as goose milk. Why, Huck, it wouldn't make no more talk than breaking into a soap factory. All right. I never said nothing because I weren't expecting nothing different. But I knowed mighty well that whenever he got his plan ready, it wouldn't have none of them objections to it. And it didn't. He told me what it was, and I see in a minute that it was worth 15 of mine for style and would make Jim just as free a man as mine would and maybe get us all killed besides. Oh, gosh. Oh, so that's so a positive. Oh, man. So he's saying it's dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Jim might make just as free a man and 15 more style points. And it may get us killed. We should totally do it. <laughs> so I was satisfied and said we would waltz in on it. I needn't tell what it was here because I knowed it wouldn't stay the way it was. I knowed he would be changing it around every which way as we went along and heaving in a new foolishness wherever he got a chance. And that is what he done. Well, one thing was dead sure. And that was that Tom Sawyer was earnest and was actually going to help steal that N-word out of slavery. That was the thing that was too many for me. Here was a boy that was respectable and well-brung up, and had a character to lose, and folks at home that had characters, and he was bright and not leather-headed, and knowing and not ignorant, and not mean but kind, and yet here he was, without any more pride or rightness or feeling, than to stoop to this business, and make himself a shame and his family a shame before everybody. So, okay, I'm confused. So Huck still thinks that freeing Jim is a bad thing? Because it sounds like he's saying, I can't believe Tom, with his well, good upbringing, is doing such a yeah. horrible thing. No, he, he's still struggling with it. But because neither of us have read Tom Sawyer, like it just did dawn on me like, oh, Tom is from the good side of the tracks, so his family has money, I, I guess. That's interesting. Well, I would not have guessed that. I would have just guessed that he's just a big of a screw-up as Huck is, or just two goofball yeah, kids. We don't huh. know, but remember our guest Phil said that, you know, had we read Tom Sawyer, yeah, it sounded like Tom had a normal life, but Huck had it hard with Pap and yeah. the drinking. Well, I know that Huck's yeah. past was tough. I don't really right. know anything about Tom's. Tom didn't have the same upbringing at all. Sounds like he's losing respect a little <laughs> for his friend. I couldn't understand it no way at all. It was outrageous, and I knowed I ought to just up and tell him so, and so be his true friend, and let him quit the thing right where he was and save himself. And I did start to tell him, but he shut me up and says, don't you reckon I know what I'm about? Don't I generally know what I'm about? Yes. Didn't I say I was going to help steal the N-word? Yes. Well, then, that's all he said, and that's all I said. It weren't no use to say any more, because when he said he'd do a thing, he always done it. But I couldn't make out how he was willing to go into this thing, so I just let it go and never bothered no more about it. If he was bound to have it so, I couldn't help it. All right, so I guess they're both on board. When we got home, the house was all dark and still. So we went on down to the hut by the ash hopper for to examine it. We went through the yard so as to see what the hounds would do. They knowed us and didn't make more noise than country dogs is always doing when anything comes by in the night. When we got to the cabin, we took a look to the front and the two sides 
and on the side I weren't acquainted with, which was the north side, we found a square window hole up to tolerable high with just one stout board nailed across it. I says, here's the ticket. This hole's big enough for Jim to get through if we wrench off the board. Tom says, it's as simple as tit-tat-toe, three in a row, and as easy as playing hooky. I should hope we can find a way that's a little more complicated than that, Huckfin. Well, why? <laughs> dumb well, kid. Why? I... I... That's I was thinking this. What if just as they were gonna go to the door to see if it was locked, if all of a sudden the door opened and Jim came out? Ah. I, I figured out how to open it on the on, from the inside. Let's go. Not so fast, <laughs> says Tom. <laughs> Shoves back, him back in, in there. Close. God. Oh my gosh. Well then, I says, how'll it do to saw him out the way I done before I was murdered that time? That's more like, he says. It's real mysterious and troublesome and good, he says. But I bet we can find a way that's twice as long. There ain't no hurry. Let's keep on looking around. Betwixt the hut and the fence on the back side was a lean-to that joined the hut at the eaves and was made out of plank. It was as long as the hut, but narrow, only about six foot wide. The door to it at the south end was padlocked. Tom, he went to the soap kettle and searched around and fetched back the iron thing they lift the lid with. So he took it and prized out one of the staples. The chain fell down and we opened the door and went in and shut it and struck a match. And see, the shed was only built against a cabin and hadn't no connection with it. And there weren't no floor to the shed, nor nothing in it but some old rusty played out hoes and spades and picks and a crippled plow. The match went out and so did we and shoved in the staple again. And the door was locked as good as ever. Tom was joyful. He says, now we're all right. We'll dig him out. Why? I'm this old rusty shovel and other like, let's dig him out. We'll dig a tunnel. We'll dig a trench. He needs ho- He needs a hobby. You know what he right. should he- be doing instead of actually doing this and wasting time. He could be writing novels about boys on adventures. He should. Should. Mm-hmm. He should. How long is this going to take to dig? You know it- one of my favorite movies is the, is the uh, Great Escape with Steve McQueen. And this does remind me of this plan where they broke out of the prisoner of war camp. So I kind of like the idea. It's okay. it's stupid, but well, in in that case, that probably was the best way, though, right? Yeah, and the simple escape probably. Yeah, here it's run right here. They've got the simple escape. <laughs> they can move a piece of wood and it's done. This <laughs> is <laughs> so frustrating. Then we started for the house, and I went in the back door you only have to pull a buckskin latch string they don't fasten the doors but that weren't romantical enough for tom sawyer no way would do him but he must climb up the lightning rod but after he got up halfway about three times and missed fire and fell every time and the last time most busted his brains out and maybe that's what's wrong with him maybe he fell on his head too many times with all his climbing around he thought he'd got to give it up But after he was rested, he allowed he would give her one more turn for luck. And this time he made the trip. In the morning, we was up at break of day and down to the N-word cabins to pet the dogs and make friends with the N-word that fed Jim. If it was Jim that was being fed. The N-words was just getting through breakfast and starting for the fields. And Jim's was piling up a tin pan with bread and meat and things. And whilst the others was leaving, the key came from the house. This N-word had a good-natured, chuckle-headed face. 
and his wool was all tied up in little bunches of thread. That was to keep witches off. He said the witches was pestering him awful these nights and making him see all kinds of strange things and hear all kinds of strange words and noises, and he didn't believe he was ever witch so long before in his life. He got so worked up and got to running on so about his troubles, he forgot all about what he'd been a-going to do. Tom says, what's the vittles for, going to feed the dogs? The N-word kind of smiled gradually over his face. Like when you heave a brick, brick bat? Like when you heave a brick bat? How, how, how am I supposed to connect with that? Dan, it's just like when you heave a brick bat. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say that. Robot, brick bat. A brick bat refers to a piece of brick. <laughs> um, oh, okay, and you... As I was saying, a brick bat refers to a piece of brick, typically broken or cut to a smaller size, often used as a makeshift weapon or for throwing. The metaphor of throwing a brick bat in a mud puddle can be seen as a symbol for the disturbances Huck and other characters cause in the societal mud puddle of their time, challenging social norms and expectations. Sometimes a cigar is just a cigar, and a brick is just a brick. Wow, thanks, AI. <laughs> I'm gonna throw a brick bat at you. Like when you heave a brick bat in a mud puddle, and he says, Yes, Mars said, a dog. Curious dog, too. Does you want to go and look at him? Yes, I hunch Tom and whispers. You going right here in the daybreak? That weren't the plan. No, it weren't, but it's the plan now. When He's getting pulled along again, just like with the other con men. Tom Sawyer is his hero. He would follow Tom to do anything. If Tom jumped off a mud bat, he would do it, right? I mean, seriously. I mean, that's what it sounded like in the beginning. Like, he really admires Tom, but maybe he should reconsider, you know? All right. I would have reconsidered after watching Tom fall off the roof the night before, and he fell off 18 times. You'd be like, eh, your plan is kind of stupid. I would have reconsidered after the whole experience with the King and the Duke. I mean, he got lit along by oh. them, and life didn't turn out great. That's right. I mean, that's where it all went yeah. wrong. So he's yeah. going to follow another person around? I don't know. You know, I really hope that Huck comes into his own one day. Because he'd be a great mm -hmm. person, I think. Yeah, I mean, he's got a good heart, right? He's a good kid. Yeah. He's conflicted about the laws, but he knows in his heart Jim is his friend. And he says things like, you know, the black kids were acting just like the white kids. So I think mm -hmm. he's starting to absorb the actual laws of the time and what yeah. he's been told. Yeah, what's kind of neat about him is because he hasn't, wasn't really brought up in polite company or whatever, mm -hmm. he is literally like a cork floating down a river. And it's just, he sees what his ideas are of good and bad and right and wrong. Mm -hmm. And this doesn't make sense. This seems to make sense, except for the one part where he knows that she actually owned Jim and now I'm helping Jim escape. But he already dealt with that. He's going to mm -hmm. hell. So he's mm -hmm. good. He's good to go. But I like it. <laughs> right, he is right. a really good kid. He's a smart kid. Yeah. I think choosing to go to hell over something, you know, it just proves how important it is to him. He's like, I know what's mm -hmm. right. So anyways, I can't believe he's going to follow Tom around. I mean, does Tom have the same ideas? Probably not. So drat him. We went along, but I didn't like it much. When we got in, we couldn't hardly see anything. It was so dark. But Jim was there, sure enough, and he could see us, and he sings out, Why, Huck, and good land, ain't dat misto, Tom? We just knowed how it would be. 
I just expected it. I didn't know nothing to do. And if I had, I couldn't have done it because that N-word busted in and says, why the gracious sakes? Do he know you gentlemen? We could see pretty well now. Tom, he looked steady and kind of wondering and says, does who know us? Why this year runaway N-word? I don't reckon he does, but what put that into your head? What put it there? Didn't he just this minute sing out like he knowed you? Tom says in a puzzled up kind of way. Well, that's mighty curious. Who sung out? When did he sing out? What did he sing out? And turns to me perfectly calm and says, did you hear anybody sing out? Of course, he's gaslighting him. This is a chance to come clean. In fact, couldn't they just play up this stupid hierarchy here and say, that's right. He does know us. We are taking him now. Right. Like this is their chance because they like no one on the farm knows that it's Jim. Like how can Tom supposedly don't know it's Jim? So this could be like, oh, my gosh, there you are. I know you, you know, like, let's go back home, quote unquote home, you know, and then take him to freedom. Of course, there weren't nothing to be said, but the one thing. So I says, no, I ain't heard nobody say nothing. Then he turns to Jim and looks over like he never see him before and says, did you sing out? No, sir, says Jim. I hain't said nothing, sir. Not a word? No, sir, I hain't said a word. Did you ever see us before? No, sir, not as I knows on. So Tom turns to the N-word, which was looking wild and distressed, and says, kind of severe, What do you reckon's the matter with you anyway? What made you think somebody sung out? Oh, it's de dad blame witches, sir, and I wished I was dead, I do. Days all is at it. Saw, and they do most kill me, they scares me so, please to don't tell nobody about it, saw, ere Omar Silas he'll scold me, cause he say they ain't no witches. I just wish to goodness he was here now, then what would he say? I just bet he couldn't find no way to get around it this time. But it's a was just so, people that sought, stays sought, they won't look into nothing and find it out for theyselves. And when you find it out and tell them about it, they don't believe you. I feel bad for this guy. This guy knows what he saw. This is only going to reinforce his belief in witches. Tom gave him a dime and said we wouldn't tell nobody and told him to buy some more thread to tie up his wool with. And then looks at Jim and says, I wonder if Uncle Silas is going to hang this N-word. If I was to catch N-word that was ungrateful enough to run away. Who sang this? Tom? Okay, yeah, I guess Tom doesn't have the good heart, Jesus Christ. I wouldn't give him up. I'd hang him. And whilst the N-word stepped to the door to look at the dime and bite it to see if it was good, he whispers to Jim and says, Don't ever let on to know us. And if you hear any digging going on nights, it's us. We're going to set you free. Jim only had time to grab us by... Oh, he must have said that just to come across to... Make the plan more okay. Unfortunately, though, he might have just given Silas an idea. Right. Somehow that word might get back. Say, that's a good idea. Let's Mm. do that tonight. Let's not wait for six days while two numbskulls dig a hole in the ground. Jim only had time to grab us by the hand and squeeze it. Oh, that's nice. It's a nice little gesture. Then the N word come back. And we said we'd come again sometime if the N-word wanted us to. And he said he would, more particular if it was dark. Because the witches went for him mostly in the dark. 
and it was good to have folks around then. End of chapter. So, crazy chapter, beginning of something that will probably go awry, (laughs) some horrible plan. I guess the biggest thing I get out of this chapter is this guy doesn't have himself a magic hairball. That's right. Nothing for the confidence. You need a magic hairball to give you confidence. It's time for PPP, problematic points to ponder. What, if anything, would be considered banworthy in this chapter? Really fun chapter. Not anything, again, other than the N-word was used about a kajillion times. We're overlooking mm-hmm. that because if we didn't, there would be no podcast. But this is just a really fun chapter. There was nothing in here, I don't think, at all that could be banworthy. This is just truly a fun adventure part of the book. Agreed. Nothing else to say there. From Bandworthy to Bingeworthy. Hey, fans of Bandcamp. My name is J.P. Derbogosian. I love Bandcamp because fighting back against book bans was one of the reasons why I launched the podcast, This Queer Book Saved My Life. As I saw LGBTQ books being banned from schools and politicians saying we can't even say the word gay in our classrooms, I thought we need to get into how important queer books are and how they save lives. And in some cases on the podcast, we mean that literally. On each episode, a new LGBTQ guest shares with us the book that helped them find the language to come out or begin their gender transition or deal with homophobia in their family. And then we bring in the book's author to find out what it took to write that book. How did it get out into the world? How did it change the author? We were just nominated for a GLAAD Media Award for Outstanding Podcasts, and I hope that you you can check out This Queer Book Saved My Life everywhere you stream your podcasts. All right. Well, we've caused enough literary chaos for today. Thank you for listening, scary book people. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with one person to whom it would add value. Bandcamp is produced and hosted by Jennifer Davis and me, Dan Schultz. All media used in this production was done so under the protection of a fair use. See you guys next time. Bye. Bye.